to the Digiday Podcast. My name is Tim Peterson. I am the Senior Media Editor at Digiday. And I'm Kaylee Barber, Senior Reporter at Digiday. Kaylee, this week you spoke with Joanna Lambert, who is the Head of Consumer at Yahoo. Yahoo um, obviously has been in the news this year because um, Verizon Media, its parent company, was acquired by Apollo Global Management, had been owned by Verizon, now has been sold off. Did Joanna talk about like what has or hasn't changed over at Yahoo since that deal was announced back in May? Yeah, so obviously a fairly new um, announcement. She couldn't really get into too much of it um, because the deal hasn't like been finalized and all that. But at the end, she did talk about um, some of the I guess, prospects for um, this change and how she anticipates it to be a positive um, for the company. So she'll get into a little bit on it. But yeah, ultimately, unfortunately, not too much could be said about the actual um, deal. And Yahoo, obviously one of the original internet portals, been around since the 90s. What's Yahoo audience look like at this point? Yeah, so that's a big focus of this conversation because... They have been doing a lot in the way of trying to get Gen Zers um, into the Yahoo portfolio sphere. The company launched a couple years ago a brand called In the Know, which is a video arm that um, previously sat on top of like its portfolio of brands that has since been built out into its own um, brand itself, which has a very big emphasis on consumer revenue. So commerce plays, shoppable video, things like that. But she also talks a lot about the other areas of the uh, portfolio that they're looking to incorporate more of a Gen Z audience. So um, everything from Yahoo Finance and a focus on things like personal finance and crypto to uh, TechCrunch and also over to like the fantasy side of things. Um, They really are in this stage of wanting to diversify their audience and using things like Yahoo Mail um, to reach them through newsletters and more platforms outside of just like TikTok and social media. So she gets into a lot of the strategy there and the different kind of consumer plays that are um, being worked on. But yeah, that was definitely a, a big portion of this conversation. Well, let's get right to the conversation. Thanks, Kayla. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. I think one of the biggest things that I wanted to chat with you about is this focus on growing Yahoo's portfolio um, and its audience to hit a more diverse audience, including a a much younger Gen Z audience. I think we've we've spoken about that in the past, about Gen Z and um, why this younger audience has such a nuanced way of approaching media brands and and the old model doesn't always work um, for this younger cohort. Um, And I'd love to kind of dive a little deeper into that conversation and how not just um, your in the know brand, which is a Gen Z focused brand, but how the whole of Yahoo's portfolio has been focused on getting into um, a younger audience and reaching a younger audience on a variety of platforms or even on the O&O channels that you have. So um, maybe to start, could you kind of go through your portfolio of brands and and who their audiences are? If you do have a a large Gen Z um, presence for most of them at this point or if there are still some brands that are coming through that you you have this desire to reach a younger audience there yeah so you know yahoo we we actually have a, a portfolio of you know really globally recognized brands we reach about you know nearly 900 million uh customers every month 
Um, and that includes like our signature brands like Yahoo. You probably know of Yahoo Sports, Yahoo Finance, uh, maybe use Yahoo Mail. Um, and then we have other brands like TechCrunch, uh, Engadget, Autoblog. Um, and, you know, basically we're serving a huge scaled audience around the world. And to your point, um, our audience is really multi-generational. Like we, we do serve all generations. We are the you know, number one for sports, number one for finance, number one for women. And actually more recently, we've been really focusing on that younger Gen Z audience, both on our existing platforms, as well as on our social media platforms that we, uh, uh, uh where we have presence, which has been a really great strategy. Um, Actually, one of the areas that has been really interesting is um, about, I'm going to say nine months ago now, um, one of our actually reporters in our newsroom uh, actually came to her editor with a great idea, which was, hey, we, I think that the Gen Z audience would love to see more, hear more about more up-to-date news. And I have she had... She actually was a teacher by training <laughs> and uh, she knew that this, you know, this audience really wants to hear and keep up to date, wants to know what's happening in the world, particularly, you know, during last year. And um, she came to the editor and had this great idea to start a TikTok channel for Yahoo News. And um, it's the biggest news channel on TikTok now. Um, and why is because, you know, we have an authentic you know, Gen Z news reporter working with our, you know, newsroom um, to be able to put out news on this channel. She's got a really super engaging uh, commenting uh, with that audience as well. So she's really engaged and it's doing really well. So to your point, uh, appealing to new audiences is a big focus for us and both we'll do it with our brand off, off network as well as on our, our existing channels as well. This might beg the question um, that a lot of people think about, like, if you want to grow a Gen Z audience, do, does it have to be on TikTok, right? Like, is that the platform that you have to prioritize in order to reach that audience? Or are are there different ways to go about it? Because um, I think the, in the No brand also started as a video first brand. And that's, um, it wasn't exclusively on TikTok, but it does have a presence there as well. What is your kind of philosophy on on the platforms and the ways in which uh, Gen Z consumes media? Yeah. So so the way we've approached it is uh, so first of all I will say no, I don't think it's just TikTok. I think um you know all audiences are everywhere. Um the the strategy that we've had is we want to meet audiences where they are and we want to make sure that you know, we get the Yahoo brand out there for consideration and then we'll meet the audience where they are and with an authentic voice in, in an authentic way. And then ultimately we want to bring those audiences back. And we've had a lot of success with that actually both through, you know, brands like TikTok or scaled plays like TikTok. Actually, more recently, we've been experimenting with Clubhouse as well. Um, but the great news is, you know, when I look at things like Yahoo Finance, Yahoo Finance is one of the biggest um, platforms for Gen Z looking for financial news and following along with what's happening with crypto and, you know, Wall Street and everything else. So I think that it's important to realize that, you know, you need to be where the audience is, but also, you know, in, a, in an authentic way, and then also make sure that, um, you know, you recognize that we're building our own platforms to also be able to serve those audiences really effectively. Going back to In The Know, because um, I think that one had a unique model from the start, right? It was started as something that kind of like 
sat on top of the Yahoo brand and kind of um, editorialized what was going on in that coverage in a slightly different way, in a slightly different voice. Can you talk about how that brand kind of came up and the strategy there for for building that um, particular title? Yeah, it's. It, I think I'm trying to remember. I think we launched in the know, I'm going to say about two or three years ago. Um, and it was a, a an initiative to try and, you know, look at off network, build our, build our presence, um, particularly on, on Facebook, um, at the time and really to try and talk again, like a different type of format, like shorter, sharper, um, different types of content. And, and we're experimenting with the different platforms with different, different formats, as I said, different lengths, different, uh, different sort of voices and things like that. Um, over the course of the last couple of years, um, that in the know brand is also now, you know, we've got our owned and operated in the know, uh, you know, landing pages and, and our own, um, you know, uh, presence, I guess, or channels for in the know. Um, and actually over time, what we've also been able to do within the know is diversify from being primarily a content and audience development play actually now into even more of a commerce play. So, you know, not surprisingly with a lot of content as people are on both on our existing platforms as well as on our social networks, um, you know, people are looking for what, you know, new news, but they're also looking for different types of, you know, whether it's cooking utensils, particularly during the pandemic, we sold a lot of cooking, cookware, um, you know, in the know is gradually actually diversified even more to be a bit more of a content to commerce play. Um, and that's been really effective. Um, I think over the course of the next little while, you know, Yahoo over the course of the last two years also has, you know, is getting more and more consideration as we've been building the brand particularly with the younger audiences. Um, we've been innovating with our platforms through things like, you know, uh, different types of capabilities to whether watch together or, you know, draft together for Yahoo Fantasy, um, different things like that. As we continue to innovate and do cool things, um, that audience also will come more and more into the Yahoo properties. So very, it, it's a, it's been a really, really effective strategy. It's grown very, very fast in the Noah's, you know, huge scaled play. Um, and now, you know, it's really about bringing those audiences back to Yahoo every day. Yeah. And um, I guess going more into that commerce um, conversation, um, I know that Yahoo has a few different kind of arms into that space, but with the in the know um, brand, is is that saying kind of that your commerce strategy is really focused on this younger demographic of online shoppers potentially? Do you see your older audience um, also interested in commerce or how are you kind of going about that strategy? Yeah, con our content to commerce strategy has really been across all of the audiences. We've got We've got a really great, big, diverse audience. You know, as I said, we, we reach about 900 million monthly active users, you know, something like 125 million visit us every single day. So, um, and that's from all different um, age groups and, and different demographics. Um, we've been very, very successful with content to commerce actually across all of the different brands. So, um, you know, take something like Engadget, for example, um, very effective in terms of selling, you know, you know, because people are there looking for the latest technologies, whether it's earphones or earpods, or, you know, maybe the latest phone or whatever it might be, um, you know, we've been very successful there in terms of being able to place the opportunity to then make that purchase on the spot. Um, and that's from, you know, Engadget all the way through to Lifestyle, uh, you know, Yahoo Life through things like, you know, upselling and, and uh, whether it's subscription services or different things like that. So that's been really successful for us. 
And on that transaction side of things, it's not just um, uh, commerce. We've also been, uh, over the last year and a half, we also have moved into transactions with sports betting as well. Um, so again, taking that really great scale we have with Yahoo Sports, our you know fantastic ability to be able to provide you know latest sports scores and content and things like that, and then now being able to let folks um, in states where it's legal to be able to bet, uh, that's also been very successful. So it's definitely across all demographics, and the and the strategy really is to bring people you know we we want to bring people closer to their passions, whether it's sports or finance or lifestyle or entertainment, and then ultimately being able to allow them to transact across Yahoo if, if, we, uh, if we can provide that service for them. Yeah. I want to talk more about that sports betting partnership that you have with MGM, I believe. Um, those, I think, partnerships are a really kind of interesting and, and rather lucrative area in the media space right now, right? Because the commission rates or um, affiliate rates, I guess, that you can get through that is rather significant um i'll let you fill in the fill in the blanks there if you have a percentage you could share but i was hoping you can kind of talk about how that partnership came about and why it seemed like i mean obviously yahoo has a very significant fantasy sports um offering but why was that a a good step for your brand to kind of take yeah, so so Yahoo has um, a, a really long-standing history in the gaming category. Um, as you said, you know we've got twenty-plus years' experience with Yahoo Fantasy. Um, it's an award-winning product. It's it's recognised and gets a lot of accolades in the industry for being a really great customer experience. Um, you know, to be able to serve those uh, fantasy users. Um, so we've been in the gaming space for a long time. When uh, the you know go back to I think it was 2019, um, as betting started to become you know legalized in in states across the US, it was the beginning of the opening of the category in the US. And you know, given as you said, we've got this huge sports audience, um, as well as quite frankly a, a bigger audience outside of even our Yahoo Sports that definitely consume sports and are interested in betting. So it was a great uh, natural step for us to be able to, again, you know, be able to serve that transaction on our platform. Um, BetMGM is, um, is the partner that we went with. Um, we chose to do an affiliate partnership, quite frankly, because it was our fastest path uh, to be able to, um, you know, get into the category, set up. Um, you know, we've got fabulous um, scaled users um, we've got, you know, we're, we're not just content, we're a great technology partner. So we're able to actually, you know, find users who might be interested in betting in those states, whether it's in Yahoo Fantasy, Yahoo Sports, um, you know, particularly actually one of the things that's really interesting is, you know, we've got Yahoo Fantasy, which is what we call our free to free to play games. Um, we also have, um, you know, free to win um, like slates like each week where you can make predictions and make bets um, to win cash prizes. Um, we also have um, what we call pay to win, which is our daily fantasy. And we're actually finding that a lot of those users who participate in some of our other gaming categories are the ones that have um, have the most interest in and then going through and doing that bet. So to your point, it's a great way for us to one, serve the audience in a much more engaging way and, and have them come back more often. And also it's a great way for us to diversify our revenue, as, as you indicated, um, beyond um, ad supported into, you know, that transaction action and being able to get that affiliate revenue. Yeah. Are you able to share what that affiliate percentage is? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Got it. Um, but, just- but, but, but I'll say it's lucrative because, yeah. you, know, one of the, you know, one of the things that's really interesting um, about, and the reason that BetMGM 
um, likes us as a great partner is because, you know, as you know, you know, you can't watch a sports game at the moment without being, seeing an ad for the various sports betting players trying to, um, you know, recruit new bettors into the platform as each state opens up. Um, with our huge scale, we're a great partner for, for someone like a BetMGM to be able to, you know, find audience, um, serve them really well. And, um, and as, as I said, because we've got had, we've been leading the way in fantasy for over two decades. Um, it was a natural, it's a natural place for us to be able to really serve the audience as well as serve mm-hmm. a great partner like BetMGM as well. Yeah, absolutely. And just for the audience's own kind of knowledge, uh, both myself and my colleague Max Willens have covered sports betting and publishers um, in the past. So you can check out some of our coverage at digiday.com to figure out maybe what some of those um, affiliate percentages might look like across the board um, for the industry. But no, that makes sense. It is, like to your point, a very lucrative area. So I was definitely curious about that. Um, You did mention, though, that you see the most interest coming from um, audiences that already participate in some of the Yahoo Fantasy um, offerings. Has this at all appealed to a new audience? Like, have you seen this Yahoo Sports or Yahoo Fantasy um, audience grow because you now have these betting integrations and and the partnership with MGM? Or is it kind of a a closed, I don't know, circuit of where the audience is coming from for that? Actually, you've hit on something that I found incredibly interesting um, of what we've been learning over the last 18 months. So I mentioned like there's a really strong affinity uh, affinity between like our – let's say our, our fantasy players, our um, daily fantasy players and, and betting. One of the things that's been really interesting is actually we're also have been able to recruit betters actually outside of our sports properties. I, 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 I think I'm trying to remember, I, th- I think it's something like around about 25% of uh, about 20 to 25%, I think it is of the, um, betters that we've recruited actually have come outside of Yahoo Sports or Yahoo Fantasy. So think about Yahoo Mail users or Yahoo Finance users who maybe haven't yet discovered Yahoo Sports, um, but we've been able to recruit them. And the reason that we've been able to do that is over the last year or so, we've really been doubling down on our um, our platforms, like personalization capabilities, right? So I want to be able to not just serve you every day with Yahoo Finance, because I know you're interested in the investment, uh, in investing and, and you're, you know, managing your portfolio on Yahoo Finance. If you also have an interest in sports, I want to also be able to serve you sports, or maybe you have an interest in, you know, lifestyle and you want to look at Yahoo Life. Um, as we've been able to develop that platform, it not only benefits us to be able to better serve audiences with all of the different things that they feel passionate about, but it's also helped us to be able to find, you know, and serve customers in other parts of the platform, things like betting. So as I said, about, I think it's about 20, 25% of our betters actually we've been able to find in like Yahoo Mail or other places like that, particularly in the US where at the moment, I think if I remember correctly, it's about nine states are now open um, with betting. Um, and it's, 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 you know, it's, it's a really interesting category. It's growing. Um, I don't know if you've, I have to listen to one of your, uh, one of your podcasts, but, you know, even increasingly people are, you know, thinking about betting and I mean, even women and the Gen Z audiences as well. It's not necessarily just hardcore sports fans, which I Mm -hmm. think is actually really interesting. 
Yeah, absolutely. To your point about wanting to find these touch points where someone coming into Yahoo Finance might also be interested in Yahoo Life, might also be interested in sports. Um, is that part of like a larger kind of first party data strategy that you're trying to hone with maybe like more contextual data and insights in that way? Is that kind of like a larger initiative for the company? Yeah, it, it actually is. We, um, you know, as I said, I think personally, when I think about the the internet, it used to be like you one piece of content goes to millions of people. Um, now it's a much more one-to-one experience. And, and over the course of the last year, we've been spending a lot of time investing in our technology to be able to really um, focus on personalization and be able to serve audiences better. You know, to your point, we have a lot of uh, first-party data. Um, purely, I mean, I think we're the third biggest, um, you know, digital internet player <laughs> in the world, um, which is fantastic. That first-party data is really important, and it helps us to be able to, as I said, serve audiences. If I if I know that you're interested in, I don't know, maybe you're following Apple. If I if I know you're interested in Apple, then when the next iPhone comes out, we can make sure that we're, you know, getting that information to you as fast as possible. So it definitely trying to really focus on, you know, making sure that we're getting the right content to the right person at the right time um, in the most relevant way possible. So it's been it's been really, really interesting. We call it um Actually, internally, our, our, I guess our code name for it is Next Gen Yahoo, which is how we think about, like, if you come into our platform, maybe you're coming from in the know, or maybe you're coming from our Yahoo News, uh, TikTok, uh, maybe you're coming through search. Um, we want to make sure that as you, you know, land on Yahoo, one of our apps or one of our websites, that we're able to serve you with not just the one thing that you came for, but other things that you're interested in. So definitely a, a, a an area that we're doubling down on. So I do want to talk a little bit more about um, commerce and going back to um, more of maybe the lifestyle or, or that type of realm, um, the very, I guess, product focus. Um, I think when we when we spoke in the past, you mentioned that shoppable video was something that you were thinking about, maybe live video as well um, for, for shopping purposes. Can you talk a little bit about that strategy and um, how you're going about approaching that? I know especially live um almost like digital QVC model is something a lot of publishers are thinking about and it's coming up in different ways. Amazon's testing it, um, network. Uh, we have a podcast on on that company in particular that's doing um, work in that area. What's your kind of perspective on the integration of shopping and video? And um, I, I guess what is, what is the hope for what that could become um, on your platform? Yeah, it's it's definitely an area of focus for us. Um, shoppable video is something that we're actually experimenting on right now, both across Yahoo as well as um, actually you mentioned in the know. Um, we think that that's a it's a really interesting place to play. Um, and you know, again, when you can help a, a customer or a consumer discover something and then help them to be able to you know seamlessly transact and purchase it, it it's it's a delightful experience. You know, one of the areas. Um, that actually I'm most proud of from earlier this year was we actually did a um, an immersive commerce experience actually with a partnership with um, Rebecca Minkoff, um, the designer. Um, actually, it was for New York Fashion Week back in February. Um, it was amazing because we, we were able to bring her collection to a global audience and allow people to be able to seamlessly transact and, and purchase it, especially in, in the pandemic where people weren't able to, you know, be on the, on the floor at the, at the, um, you know, New York Fashion Week. So that was a really great experience for us. And that uh, it's shoppable video 
the other thing that we're really interested in is that immersive experience. We've got a a fantastic lot of capabilities around, um, you know, AR, VR, um, through our, um, actually it's Riot is the studio that we, um, where we've actually got a lot of that technology. Over the course of the last 18 months, we've been expanding it to all of our Yahoo brands and um, through, you know, immersive experiences like that is, and then a, then allowing customers to be able to transact is something that we're really excited about. And actually, hopefully I'll talk to you again soon because coming up in September, we're actually having uh, uh, we're expanding that partnership even further um, for for Fashion Week in September. So lots lots of opportunities there, as you said. I think it's a great a great space for us to play, and I think it's um, a really exciting uh, area for for growth across the category. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. To that end, are you finding a lot of brand partners want to get in in this kind of like affiliate um, partnership or commerce um, focused way? I think like partnerships and and tying commerce into that has also been another trend, especially in the pandemic, to really get that like bottom of the funnel, like final touch, you know, point of sale, whatever you want to call it, interaction with audiences. Is that something that you've seen like kind of a growing trend for you as well? Yeah, it is actually, you know, you think about Yahoo and, and, and all of our brands, you know, we've got fabulous, uh, you know, obviously at scale, like the scale we have, we've got fantastic partners from an advertising perspective. Um, and you know, they, they're advertising on our platforms to be able to reach new audiences and sell new product and, and, and engage with new audiences. Um, over the course of the last little while, to your point, actually, we're going deeper with some of these advertisers with more, um, you know, more strategic partnerships. So whether that's in the, you know, the grocery category, or as I just mentioned with Rebecca in the fashion category, we've been able to really deepen those partnerships to be able to help our, you know, huge, fantastic brands also be able to meet customers on our platform. So definitely an area. And I think that's one of the things that's really exciting about, um, about you know commerce um, and you know inbox commerce and what we can do with our mail um, Yahoo Mail, um, we've been able to really help partners to be able to also scale their businesses, which is something that we're super proud and excited about. Yeah, and I do want to talk a little bit about um, mail and, and newsletters as well. I think that is just in general a very um, prominent form of media still um, advertising in, in newsletters has stayed pretty high, I'd say, during the pandemic, um, but. I'm curious what your thoughts are on Gen Z and the newsletter strategy of reaching them. Do you find that there's a good cross section there? Are Gen Zers, you know, using their inboxes the same way that millennials or Gen Y or older use email? I, I don't know. What What are your kind of thoughts there? Yeah, actually, you know what the the resurgence of um, of newsletters, I think is fascinating, especially in the last couple of years. And and actually, yeah, we're seeing huge, massive growth particularly in the Gen Z category, actually so much so that we actually launched a, um, actually it was, a, we celebrated a year, uh, our, our one year anniversary of the Yodel, which is a newsletter we launched about, uh, well, a year ago, um, which was specifically that it was to take the best of the content across all of our platforms, both our first party content, as well as partner content, and then push it through to, um, to, to these new audiences um, Gen Z is really engaging in in newsletters. Um, I think it's a it's a fantastic way to quickly, swiftly, like you know, summarize the news of the day, get keep up to date with what's going on. It's um it's it's great customer experience. Um, to your point, we're seeing more and more interest from advertisers with our newsletters as well. 
Um, and we're continuing to expand. It's, it's a, a fantastic way to re-engage customers and keep them coming back. Um, and, you know, I, I've sat through a lot of actually really interestingly when I sit in um, like customer uh, feedback sessions, like we do a lot of user research and, and we meet with customers all the time. And it's actually really interesting hearing um, how people use newsletters to manage their and keep keep abreast of what's going on in the world, but also how they manage their day by keeping newsletters and holding them or keeping them in folders so that they can catch up maybe in some downtime on the way home or, you know, in between meetings or whatever it might be. So how, yeah. I'm curious, how many newsletters do you subscribe to? You know, I think what's interesting about this conversation is that my personal use of newsletters, I think, is different from a lot of people. Um, there are a couple that I do subscribe to, but regularly reading them is a difficult task for me. I think probably because my inbox is consistently slammed with work and I have a hard time just kind of dividing the two. Um, there are a couple I do subscribe to and they are more lifestyle focused. Um, the Newsette is one of them. Um, and I do enjoy it. It's quick. It, it shows me something interesting and sometimes I want to buy something from it. But I don't know. I think my personal use of, of newsletters is just slightly different, but I tend to find my inbox as a source of stress for me um, versus, uh, I don't know, that personal like one-to-one connection that a lot of people kind of talk about email being. It is a, it is an intimate area because you are talking to one person, but I don't know, I associate stress with inboxes. So I think I'm a slight anomaly there. You, you need to set up a, 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 a personal Yahoo email address and then you can have all the fun stuff there so you can yeah. find it a stress-free zone. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. I do need to do better with that. I don't know. I find email just being just a very overrun place, both personal and then also just the influx of like pitches and things like that is just yeah. overbearing sometimes. But you know what? I, I also understand why people love that medium it, yeah. it makes sense yeah we, we have look h- hundreds of millions of, of customers who are signing up for newsletters and a- as i said i've I found it really interesting particularly as a sort of like a resurgence of newsletters um particularly in the last year it's it's even more so uh, again it, it's a great way for re-engagement it's a it's a quick way to get news and um and I, th- I think it's an area that we'll continue to invest in um one of the things that's really interesting also is just in you know inserting video also into newsletters has also been something that's been very successful. So, you know, definitely more to come in this space and and definitely across different categories as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I also wanted to talk a little bit about the Yahoo Finance and maybe some of the more um, tech-focused brands that you have in your portfolio and their strategies for reaching um, a younger audience or diversifying their audience um, to you know, not just Gen Z, but like, you know, a, a wider breadth of people. Um, I know that crypto is a big focus. Personal finance is a big focus. Um, how have those brands kind of gone about this shift to be more current with what maybe people are wanting to learn about in those spaces? You know, I think personal finance is something in particular that in the past year, a lot of people have been focusing on given the recession and the pandemic. Um, how have those brands kind of work to really not like change their tune, but change their, you know, way that they're reaching these people and talking about those very, you know, important topics? Yeah, personal finance has been a really super area um, of focus for us over the last couple of years. To your point, um, you know, uh, personal finance actually uh, it, 
is something that can serve every generation um, and it's at different stages of life that you're looking for different types of financial advice, right? So, you know, one of the most interesting things is with um, with finance decisions, whether it's, you know, getting a student loan or paying down a student loan or maybe, um, you know, buying a car, buying a house, planning for retirement, whatever it is, um, you know, typically folks, you know, you go to maybe your parents or, or a friend to get advice, but most people, about 90%, actually look and search to find what's the what's the best way to, to handle this particular financial transaction. So personal finance content has been a really big area of focus for us, both sort of news on personal finance as well as, um, you know, tips and sort of that evergreen information about how to manage finances more effectively. So definitely a huge area of focus for us. Um, it's been a big area for the younger audiences, to your point, like the, you know, Gen Z um, and even, you know, uh, sort of the 20-something audience. It's been a really big area of focus for us. Um, the other piece that I, I you know, want to underscore is, you know, those younger audiences are also really, really staying on top of financial news as well, like the the retail investing area and the crypto areas and things like that. Um, we've seen a huge, you know, surge of um, younger audiences on Yahoo Finance, particularly over the last year or so. You know, it's it's a it's a great um, product because it's it's a great combination of not just uh, content, which is fantastic. And we've got a lot of like, you know, we've got our eight hours of live programming. We've got, you know, news, we've got newsletters, as we just talked about. Um, but also, um, you know, we've got all these tools like portfolio tools. So you can manage your portfolio, you can follow stocks and, and keep abreast of what's going on actually in the market. So um, this has been a great area of growth for us. Um, last year, it was incredible. Actually, one of the areas where we saw even more growth um, for the Yahoo Finance audience is actually we've got a Yahoo Finance Plus like premium product, a subscription product, um, you know, with so many eyeballs looking at the finance markets in 2020 and, and 2021, we've also been able to see uh, a great amount of growth on uh, on those subscription products too. So you'll probably see more um, uh, focus on crypto. Um, there's, you know, a lot of interest people trying to understand it. I don't know if you've bought cryptocurrency yet. It's a, it's a difficult, it's difficult to get into and it, it's sort of, it's complicated. Um, so you'll see more and more how to's and, and guides, um, on our, on our platforms, as well as obviously information and, and news about what's happening in the markets. Crypto, I think is an area everyone is desperately trying to, to learn more about and don't really know where to start because it is like, a. I don't know, it almost feels like a game, right? It's like tokens don't sound like real currencies, but they are. They have a pretty significant amount of value if you find the right ones. So, yeah, I yeah. definitely understand that. Um, yeah. So you meant – oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say one of the one of the reasons that we um, we play well in this space is, you know, Yahoo, we're, we're a really interesting combination. We're, we're the biggest, um, you know, uh, the biggest uh, publisher, right, where we are – aggregate um, from hundreds of, of different sources. We have our own newsrooms as well. So we're this really good um, mix of both first party uh, content as well as, you know, our premium publishing partners like the New York Times or USA Today or, or Reuters. 
What that enables us to do is also really underscore the fact that we're a trusted source of information. So when people are looking for things like crypto information, as you said, it's like in, in some ways it's a little speculative and people are not quite sure exactly what's happening there. Um, that's where, um, you know, Yahoo as a brand, as a trusted source of information can really play a great role um, in terms of helping people to sort of, you know, untangle understand what's happening and and determine which way they want to go whether they want to start playing now or whether they just want to keep watching from the from the sidelines for the moment and then work out you know when the best time to to jump in is right yeah absolutely i guess i'm just curious like has yahoo considered doing anything in the crypto space itself like are you i don't know thinking of doing anything on the blockchain with like nfts or i don't know you know find your way to launch your own crypto uh, currency. I'm, I'm just curious, like, if if you're looking at taking any of the stuff that you write about internal and, and applying it there. It's a, it's a great question. It sounds like you joined my meeting yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we're, we're actually looking at the space right now. I mean, I haven't got anything to sort of announce at the moment, but um, it's definitely a space we're looking at. And, you know, because we are a, a combination of, you know, content and utility, like we are truly a publisher and a technology platform. So it's a definitely an area that we're investigating and looking at. I think, um, you know, whether it's in partnership or whether it's something we do um, our own, um, we'll, we need to determine. But I think, yeah, watch this space. I think it's an interesting area. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Awesome. Um, so you did mention uh, subscriptions a little bit, and I do want to talk about that. Um, can you talk about the ways in which you're going about subscriptions? Um, it sounds like this, uh, the, the, um, finance one is, is a premium product sitting on top of a free brand that I think is a very traditional way of getting into it. I'm curious, like, are you thinking about it only through the lens of more like that membership route or do you foresee paywalls coming into the mix at any point on your, um, currently open open sites yeah so we, we sort of have a, 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 a let's say I call it a two-pronged approach to subscriptions to your point we have um you know premium and more engaged experiences um on things like yahoo finance um yahoo finance plus we've also just recently launched yahoo fantasy plus as well which is um you know basically a, a new premium subscription to help you know, provide advanced research tools for fantasy players. Um, that is also, again, it's it's a layer of a subscription layer on top of, as you said, the freemium services we have um, with, you know, incredible insights, incredible, um, you know, seamless ways to manage your, whether it's your portfolio or manage your fantasy team. Um, so definitely an area of focus for us is that premium play on our existing, you know, huge scaled audiences. Um, the other one I should give a shout out to also that's been very, very successful is Extra Crunch, which is the Tech Crunch um, subscription, which has been, we launched that about two plus years ago, and it's been an incredibly, um, incredibly successful subscription product. Again, same, same strategy, right? You've got this really deep engaged audience and, hey, we can provide even more service and benefit for you. And, and here's a subscription that you may be interested in. Um, on the other side of the of the coin, we actually do a lot of um, we package uh, subscriptions from a reseller perspective. So, you know, we've got a great partnership with, um, you know, Assurian, for example, where we package together what we call our Yahoo Tech Plus or um, Yahoo Mobile Plus 
subscription products, which are basically subscription products that are insurances against whether you know, your phone or your electronics or what have you. And we make those available at scale to our Yahoo audience. And, you know, this is an area that we'll continue to play. Um, we do, you know, as I said, we build our own subscription products as well as work really closely with some fantastic partners to be able to provide, you know, valuable subscription products to our, to our audiences when they need them. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great strategy for us. It's something that, um, we've been, you know, over the course of the last couple of years, we've been doubling down, uh, on, you know, that subscription side of the business commerce side of the business and then transactions through things like betting and all of these things are a way for us to you know deepen engagement with our customers as -hmm. well as you know diversify and add more um, revenue opportunities for for our business so that we can you know continue to grow and scale and to go back to the audience piece of it a little bit when you're looking at your like average subscriber who are the people that are are willing to kind of spend money to learn more about um, these more niche topics? Is it, I I keep asking about Gen Z, but I I am really curious about it. Are Gen Zers paying for these um, additional, you know, content pieces? Or is it uh, a slightly older audience maybe that um, has maybe a higher household income at that point um, that would pay for the Yahoo Finance Plus? Uh, I'm just curious, like, who is the kind of focus of the subscription products in your arsenal right now? Yeah, it's it's actually interesting. It's really around um, like uh, fanatics. Like the it's it's the most fanatical. Um, you know, particularly on those those subscription products where we have um, you know like Yahoo Fantasy or uh, Yahoo Fantasy Plus or Extra Crunch, for example. Um, Yahoo Finance Plus. It's the most engaged uh, audience. That is the most interested in in then up upselling, uh, being upsold uh, a subscription product. It's not necessarily by demographic. Like I will say, we're seeing a lot of Gen Zers, especially in the Extra Crunch and you know the um, and the Yahoo Fantasy Plus products. But it really is a spectrum across all of the generations that we serve. It's not necessarily one particular audience, which I, I think is actually really interesting. You you mentioned something about. Um, you know, household income, you know, obviously across our platform, we serve, you know, a very diverse audience, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the higher income are the most engaged in drop buying subscriptions. If, if there's value to be had, if there's, you know, if someone sees value in something like a subscription or, or, you know, uh, buying something on our platform, then, you know, they will definitely buy it from us knowing that we're a trusted source. I know that on the horizon, you have this um, deal with Apollo, but I'm wondering what else in the end of 2021, 2022 kind of timeframe, what else are you excited about? What is on the horizon that you are anxiously working towards or or looking forward to? Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the things, and we've sort of touched on this a little bit today already, but the thing that's really super exciting is just how we can, you know, further deepen the engagement. Like we're really focused on innovation. We're really focused on, you know, new ways to meet audiences, new ways to serve audiences. And, and you'll see, you know, even more, you know, great partnerships, uh, even more sort of great experiences like our Watch Together platform and things like that coming out over the next couple of months. Um, I'm also really excited about new formats like immersive, um, immersive content. You know, we have um, been investing significantly in immersive experiences. It's a great way for storytelling. It's a great way, as we touched on a little bit earlier, to think about commerce in new ways as well. So, 
Yeah, a lot, lots of opportunity for us to just, you know, further engage audiences, keep experimenting, keep iterating and, and keep making sure that we're the most relevant, you know, most current and that we're able to, you know, meet audiences where they are, um, encourage them to come back and, and, you know, um, yeah, as I said, personalization is a big area of focus for us as well. Um, being able to serve you with everything that you need, um, in a way that's, um, you know, really fantastic and engaging. So. Very excited about it, and and the uh, the Apollo uh, deal. You know, we're we're obviously it's it's pre transaction at the moment, but we're very excited about this. Um, Verizon has been fantastic. We've done some great things with five G and immersive uh, in the immersive uh, category. They get they'll continue to be an investor with us, so definitely we'll keep that partnership going. But we're also excited about what's to come with um, you know more focus and more investment and and being able to again just continue to serve our audience. Um, Excellent. Lots to lots to look forward to for sure. And um, I will definitely be chatting with you soon again to kind of get the inside scoop into some of those other projects you have working on. So thanks so much, Joe, for being on. No, thank you so much for having me. Great conversation. And thank you for listening to the Digiday podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode.